full of tips for sharing space safely. For kids, there's an All About Alligators coloring book, which features helpful facts and tips alongside illustrations from local 7th graders, the best of which is an alligator with sunglasses and a chain. The goal is to prevent human destruction of alligators due to human ignorance, the kids write. The second prong of the FWC plan is the human destruction of alligators. To keep the population of the predators manageable, the FWC holds a popular annual lottery for alligator hunting permits. They also maintain what they call the Statewide Nuisance Alligator Program, or SNAP. If someone has alligator problems on their property, they can call a special hotline, 866-FWC-GATOR. If the gator in question is indeed deemed a nuisance, a state-contracted alligator trapper comes to nab it and, in most cases, kill it and sell its hide, meat, and skull. The FWC currently has 104 trappers on call, and last year they removed 8,118 alligators. Most states in the American Alligators Range, which runs from Texas to North Carolina, have similar alligator control programs. Relocating alligators is not a possibility, as most would just return to where they were captured and likely be more difficult to remove a second time, according to the FWC. In South Carolina, animals that were moved from Bluffton to Charleston, close to 100 miles away, all made their way back to their original location. If you move them, that doesn't fix the problem. The alligator comes back to that site of conflict, says ecologist Kimberly Andrews, who studied alligators in South Carolina. Plus, even if the alligator doesn't return, some other alligator will see that nice, empty habitat and move in. You're just going to have the same problem with another alligator, Andrews says. If it's good habitat for one alligator, it's going to be a good site for another one. Nuisance, of course, is a relative term. The untold truth about SNAP is, most alligators that are killed as a nuisance aren't really a nuisance in any sense except that someone phoned in about them, says Vliet. While there are some bad apple alligators, like the one that attacked Asa, very, very few alligator encounters result in attacks of any kind. I don't think the majority of animals that have been killed as a nuisance were ever going to cause harm to a person, he adds. The problem is that some people think they will, often tourists, snowbirds, and other newcomers who aren't used to having them as neighbors. We have so many people who have come from elsewhere, Vliet says. In this environment, he says, something like snap is valuable. I think of nuisance alligators as animals that are being sacrificed for the greater good of the gator population. If people have a number they can call, he points out, they're less likely to become gator vigilantes or to paint the animals with a broad brush and demand that even more of them be killed. But in at least one place in gator country, scientists are trying a different approach. On Jekyll Island, a vacation destination off the coast of Georgia, Andrews, who's now affiliated with the University of Georgia, has been dealing with alligators in a novel way. She and her colleagues have stopped removing them at all. Jekyll Island has plenty of amazing alligator habitat. Upland, beyond the beaches and dunes, four lagoon-filled golf courses crowd together right next to the marsh. Once, this part of the island was maritime forest of live oak and pine, a freshwater wetland that would have appealed to alligators. We destroyed one habitat and created another, says Andrews. For the alligators, though, this new habitat works as well. Starting in 2011, Andrews and her colleagues began to focus on training and educating the agencies that deal with alligator complaints, as well as the island's residents and visitors. Their education programs cover basic alligator biology, their own research, the risks of alligator encounters, and myths and misunderstandings. One of the most important lessons? Don't feed alligators. Ever. They quickly associate people with food, so they'll swim over to humans and wait for a treat. They beg like a dog. They just can't bark, says Andrews. 
By capturing and releasing alligators for research purposes, the scientists also taught the more congenial alligators that humans aren't always so friendly after all, and the alligators relearned to keep their distance. That is, except for one ambassador. At the Jekyll Island Authority's Georgia Sea Turtle Center, visitors can meet a small alligator named Tiny, who was raised by humans and is evidence of how charismatic alligators can be. So far, the strategies are working. When Andrews and her team first surveyed the island in 2011, of the 100 alligators living there, only six had grown to reproductive size, which can take 20 years. Six years later, about 12 to 15 are large and old enough to reproduce. Even with the population thriving, not one person has been injured by an alligator. In fact, the last known alligator-induced injury on Jekyll Island was in 1994, when a gator bit a golfer. The alligators have stayed safe, too. As far as Andrews knows, no animals have been removed during the course of her study, though one had to be whisked back to his home pond after he wandered into less alligator-friendly territory. One of the female alligators Andrews' team's tracks is in the culverts under the island.